but um, I seen it and it was all I needed to see. And it's pure evil. But I want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you anything graphic about it. I'm just going to tell you the premise of it. And I want to show you where America's mindset is today. This is why when you and I go out and preach the words of life, all they know is death. This is why. Because their mind and their brain is consumed with death. It's a glorification I am state. seeing something on the screen and repulsed by it. I am sitting there dreading another needle in the eyeball. I am dreading another incision across the scalp and the peeling back of the scalp. That's dread. That is not horror, and that's not entertainment. It is dread. This is some of the Hollywood writers. It's simply appalling. The night uh, of the living dead, you know, the chainsaw massacre, this horrible stuff, the blood and gore. You, you don't want to focus on your life on like this little If you have horror movies and wicked movies in your home, those are gateways. See? And I drunk both times, and that was not good. Yeah, well, now that I'm a legitimate adult, I try and keep it to Friday nights and Saturday nights. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> I'll make twice a week. Yeah. Where was your road trip going to be? We were either going to go to Canada or New Orleans. Damn, I'm so jealous that Americans get to do that and can road trip to other countries. Australia, you can't road trip. <laughs> we can't road trip anywhere. Honestly, like other cities are days and days drive away. Oh my god! Yeah. Back. Welcome to episode number 54 of the Horror Explorer podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to turning people on to horror movies that they might have never seen or even heard of. We like to focus on VHS-era horror that most younger horror fans aren't aware of, and some of the more obscure or unusual horror that's come out since. My name's Mike, I'm the host, and I have with me three younger people. First, we have Jordan. Hey, everybody. Good to be here again. Alicia. Hi, everyone. And Critical Dave. Hello. All right. So something out of the ordinary this week. I actually took the time to watch two newer horror movies. Yeah, which ones? Well, first I watched uh, The Monster, which is, I think, 2016, so that's pretty new. And it's the one about the daughter and the mother with a substance abuse problem that get broke down on the side of the road or something like that. You guys familiar with this yet? I'm not, no. but it sounds like every single other like horror movie that's come out in the past, like, three years. I'd give that, like, a three out of ten. Terrible. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And it really, yeah, it sucked. It, it turned me off to the idea of watching another one. But we did not watch another one. We ended up watching The Vivitch, or The Witch, or however you want to pronounce it. Uh, have you guys seen that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like The Witch a lot, actually. Jordan? What you think? Yeah, I had, I've never even heard of it. Oh. So actually, uh, this one was a little bit more pleasant. It was it's a little bit artsy, and I think they went over the top with the accents, especially with the uh, older boy was getting a little not not so much the accent, but just the uh, use of language, trying to make it sound like Middle English and stuff like that. It went a little bit overboard with that, and it seemed kind of fake and forced. But the movie itself was entertaining. It kind of doesn't really have a very steady narrative to it, in my opinion, and it the story is kind of patchwork a little bit there's different elements that don't necessarily lead to anything in it but it it was you know nothing scares me it wasn't scary it did have a nice creepy vibe it did a good job making atmosphere and just kind of keeping you in the movie even when it was kind of not making sense up towards the end there and uh, i actually like that quite a bit and i give that a seven out of ten i mean for the kind of movies that have come out since 
2000, it's definitely one of the better ones. Yeah, I agree. I really liked its atmosphere. The sound design was fantastic. And it, the cinematography, it was shot very well, but it definitely had that art house vibe that you talked about. But I really dig that sort of thing. So I, I liked it. I, I gave it a 7 out of 10 as well, actually. Alicia, you haven't seen that? No, I have. I, I loved it as well. I thought it was fantastic. It was really artsy, but um yeah, I was a big fan. They showed more of the Vivitch than I thought they would. And, um, yeah. like quite early on. Now, I don't understand. Maybe you got a better grasp of what was going on in this movie. There's an old witch, but are the kids the witch? Is the, uh, older daughter the witch? Is the goat because of the witch? What is the relationship between the goat and the witch and the daughter and these twins that we never see again? I didn't understand what that is. Just like it just gave me a handful of shit. And then at the end, it just, it's just like, here you go. There's nothing you can make out of this. Well, my interpretation was that the, Goat was um maybe like the devil to some extent. The kids were influenced by the goat and the witches worked for the devil to some extent. So it was all like basically satanic in my head, but it wasn't like the kids were the witches. It's that witches work for the devil, right? So yeah. And they just happen to move to a part of the woods that had like a dozen witches in it. Yeah, very unfortunate. (laughs) Not totally sold on that, but yeah, I mean, I I did get definitely that the goat was supposed to be the devil, especially when, spoiler, the goat becomes the devil is really what turned me on to that. Yeah. Yeah, that was all right. I think I'm going to watch Southbound. I'm going to check out, I think. I heard that's okay. It's like an anthology. That's about all I know about it, and I don't mind anthologies. So, because if they suck and 20 minutes is over and you're watching something else. Every week, these three get to watch an older and perhaps more obscure movie that most people their age might not be familiar with. Usually it's something I like. I don't think that's what happened this time. Because the whole point of the podcast is to make younger horror fans aware that the best new horror movie that they see this year could be a movie from 30 years ago that they didn't even know existed. This week, Mike made us watch Class of Newcomb High, another trauma film. Uh, And I had seen this before but not i'd never sat down and watched it uh what about you guys i'd seen it before as well i think we watched it together jordan the first time we watched it but i didn't really take notes on it during the first viewing i had never seen it before this is only the second trauma film i've seen after the toxic avenger that we watched and yeah pretty clear that the trauma films have like a lot of the same themes and that kind of thing. And they, uh, I would bet from seeing these two films all right up my alley. So this is a movie where I didn't know about it when it came out. This came out in 1986. I would have been 10 years old. I don't think I was aware of this movie until I started, uh, watching movies on different streaming sites on the internet. I came across it and I'd seen it once or twice. Uh, in my head, it's interchangeable with Newcomb High 2 and Newcomb High 3 which is kind of what happened here because really when I was watching this, uh, it didn't seem as familiar to me as I thought it would be. And it was missing some of the characters I remembered. So I kind of got two and three mixed into it. It's a trauma movie. You would go into them, into them expecting something. And usually that's exactly what you get. So, I mean, I had seen this before and I, I know what the quality is going to be like because it's a trauma movie. This movie's about a nuclear power plant that has some kind of a leak, which leads to strange behavior from nearby high school students who are at the high school, which is right in the shadow of the nuclear power plant. And a couple of the students smoke weed, and that weed was grown, 
next to the nuclear power plant or right in it or something. I'm not totally sure. And that gets them horny. They have sex and it results in some kind of mutant baby monster thing that barely factors into the movie. And in true trauma fashion, literally nobody is in this movie that you've ever heard of. You might recognize some people from other trauma movies like the uh, Incredibly Obese Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was the mayor in, uh, in Toxic Venture that we watched. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, movie, it's intended, I believe, to be a spoof of 80s coming-of-age high school-type movies like The Breakfast Club or, you know, to a lesser extent, Night of the Creeps, which is also kind of like an 80s coming-of-age high school movie, too. And uh, Chrissy and Warren are a couple, and they're kind of like a uptight good boy and good girl in this movie. They're kind of the main characters, and they kind of seem similar to a lot of the characters you would see in these 80s high school movies. Very similar to the main couple in Night of the Creeps. Uh, as I said, the series spawned two sequels. There was Nukem High 2 and Nukem High 3. And then not too long ago, they decided to come out with Return to Nukem High, which is like, I guess, the fourth one. And that's the first one in the new series of Nukem High movies. And they're working on Nukem High, Return to Nukem High 2 right now, which is called Return to Return to Nukem High. <laughs> Jesus. So much effort put into that. So we'll see what these guys have to say about the class of Nukem High right after this. If you'd like to contact us here at the Horror Explorer Podcast, you can reach us via email at horrorexplorerpodcast at gmail.com, or you can interact with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash horrorexplorer, and you can follow us on our Twitter account, at horrorexplorer. All right, so let's see what you guys have to say about the class of Nukem High. Okay, so I'll start it off with the opening, I suppose. So the film opens with a really dark cityscape, and at first I thought it was really dark because that's the, I was watching a low-quality version of the film. It turns out it was just a really slow fade-in, and this fade-in is accompanied by, like, eerie music, and eventually we dissolve to a nuclear power plant. So I'm immediately like, okay, I know exactly what this movie is going for thematically. And the predominant color of the sky red. in that fade-in is red. You get the Twin Towers, too, which is always nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of Night of the Comet with the red sky. Yeah, but that doesn't last long because it goes right to the normal cheesy trauma cinematography. Yeah, but what I did notice was what we get is we get like an opening montage that surveys the entire nuclear power plant. Very similar to the opening shots of the children. However, the pipe bursts much faster in this film than in the children. Thank God. <laughs> the whole time that scene was playing out, I was like, boy, I hope this goes quick or she's going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it was so painful in the children. I, I felt like I aged 40 years watching that scene. <laughs> but yeah, surprisingly, the frantic montage, once the pipe bursts and all the nuclear waste people are running around and doing stuff, it was done surprisingly well for a trauma film in terms of editing. Because the editing was very frantic and cut off uh, shots a little too early, which really expressed the chaotic tone. But then it goes right back into like the schlocky, low production value version of film that we've come to expect from trauma when the fat mayor guy who plays the what who does he play in this like the nuclear head he plays he plays the nuclear plant manager and i want to say you know maybe you thought the editing was good in that or whatever but when you see the people scurrying around trying to do stuff when there's a leak the choreography is just terrible in it you know they you can tell they're it doesn't look like people that are really scurrying around trying to solve a problem it just looks like people running and walking in random directions and doing random stuff 
Yeah, it's like they didn't even receive any direction. Yeah, exactly. What we get in this next scene is we're still within the nuclear power plant, but now the fat guy is, I'm just going to call him the fat guy, is trying to cover things up. So he's having an impromptu meeting with a few random people from around the plant. And it's really evident how low the production value is and how little effort was put into the cinematography and the blocking of actors. Because they're all just standing in a semicircle with a camera and a constant wide on them, just covering their conversation. And it really reminds me of the shots in Troll which is not a good thing to be reminded of. Yeah, early early on you can tell there's not a whole lot of uh, attempt at artistry with the camera. They just use a really wide lens that distorts things, and it just looks really cheesy. They During that sort of opening sequence, there's those same sort of themes in the trauma movies like The Conspiracy, when Mayor Chubbs is like, oh, nobody's allowed to, to let anyone know that the nuclear power plant is having you know, a meltdown kind of thing. No one's allowed to know there's a big cover-up. Yeah, early on you kind of get a feeling like it's like they're just trying to use a lot of the same plot devices from the Toxic Avenger. Well, yeah, Yeah. it worked for them, the Toxic Avenger, so why not use it again? Exactly. Why not use it 80 times? (laughs) There are a lot of things I respect the Trauma Film Company for, but unfortunately one of the things that I don't like about them is their movies, most of their movies, follow the exact same structure and use the same plot devices, use the same type of special effects. Not They're not very creative. They're very creative in some ways, but just not with their scripts. You forgot to use yeah. the same actors. Yeah, the yeah. same actors, too. Yeah. <laughs> in the case of this movie, uh, some of the actors aren't even actors. They're just crew people that get to be in the movie because they're the only person that knows how to drive a motorcycle. Stuff like that. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, yes. I love that. It's so good. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, just... right after this nuclear plant scene, we transition to a classroom, like school scene. We see like a nerd guy walk by like a row of couples making out. And I found that very amusing. So I expect this guy to be like a main character. Dave, why did you find that so amusing? Uh, because it's a joke taken to a, to an extreme. Because Your first, high school wasn't like that? No, my <laughs> high school was not like that. Because my high school was an all-guys high school. So ah, They kept orgies to a minimum at my high school. <laughs> yeah, back in the as old soon days. As, as soon as we see this dork character, I'm like, you know, already they're starting out with a similar theme to the Toxic Adventure. And I see this dork character, and clearly he's supposed to be important because of the way the camera's following him. Already I'm thinking, is this going to be another Melvin? And then he drinks out of the water fountain and some green slime type stuff. It looks like Brondo from uh, Idiocracy. Comes out of the water fountain and he drinks it. And I was like, yep, so that's the nuclear waste. He drank it. Now it's going to be a movie about what happens to him or whatever. And it's going to be just like the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, I got that vibe as well. When I was watching that scene, I was thinking, oh, wow, they're remaking the Toxic Avenger here. However, that's not the case, because when he is in a classroom, we get a bunch of, like, really, really poorly dubbed over stomach noises that (laughs) they don't sound like they fit within the scene at all. They're just artificially slapped onto the soundtrack. It's that laziness that really bothers me. Like, that really took me out of the film. Like... It would be better if there weren't any sounds because you could they, hear it or it was expressed in his acting already. That didn't bother me at all. I mean, they, they've they done that in all the other ones as well. That's obviously just like sort of a trope of theirs. The thing that I find so funny is that they don't reduce – 
the like the boom mic noise. So they've got the noise they recorded on the day and then the studio dub just together. I mean, yeah, yep. it sounds really bizarre, but it's I think it's pretty funny. It's messy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throughout this whole film, the mixing is terrible. And there are a lot of like audio pops from cuts and stuff like that. That's just really not good. The audio like jumps up and down. Like the whole last 15 minutes are far quieter than the rest of the film. They only depart from the uh, similarity to Toxic Adventure to show you that classroom, which again, like most trauma movies, everybody or most of the people in it who are of any significance, they don't act a character. The character is painted on them and hooked onto them. Like a lot of them look like uh, extras from the Road Warrior or something like that, or they have something else outlandish about the way they look. The characters are always visually represented. I actually, I noticed that too. I actually wrote down, they looked like the characters from Mad Max too, but right next to that I wrote, or like the characters from The Warriors, because a lot of them have the similar like face paint as the baseball people from The Warriors and stuff like that. They have a very post-apocalyptic BDSM biker, but also <laughs> 80s hair rock aesthetic going on, like, all at once. Yeah, they're very punk. And did you notice that uh, they that when they get this guy that drinks this, this, the toxic stuff, you know, he starts having a seizure, he starts strangling some guy, and they punch each other a little bit, and then he freaks out, and he runs down a hallway and jumps out of a window, and it looks exactly, like, right down to the way the shot is filmed and everything, and the angle that it's filled from, identical to Melvin jumping out of the window in the Toxic Avenger. Mm, and then he yeah. lays on the pavement and dissolves like Melvin. I thought the effects on that were actually pretty good of his skin coming off and all that. And it ends up this isn't going to turn into another toxic hero. This dude just fucking dies. Perhaps that was a deliberate misdirection. We might be giving them too much credit for thought. Yeah. But here it becomes apparent that the editing and the audio mixing are going to be terrible throughout. Because throughout this, like, scene, like, a lot of shots are cut off too early. Like, people, the second somebody finishes speaking, you you don't get any, like, rest. (laughs) We just cut to the next scene. And also the levels of audio fluctuate from really low to really high. Stuff like that. That just sets this precedent for sloppiness. But also something that's immediately evident. Once we get introduced to Warren and Chrissy and their two friends, we immediately break the show-don't-tell rule. Because they're like, man, there's been so much weird stuff happening at this high school. And (laughs) I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for telling us. However... I would like to see it. That kind of annoyed me as well when um, when they said, oh, the gang of people that are beating people up used to be the honor roll students. And I was like, well, oh, I would have liked to see the before maybe. And now they're all yeah. Mad Max characters. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. agree with that because it's just revealed through exposition. The first time you see them in that original, that first classroom scene, they're already looking like the Mad Max guys and all that. And so they're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, that used to be the honor club or honor club, mm-hmm. honor roll students, whatever. They were talking about him beating up the debate team guy or something like that. Yeah, and they're all buff as hell. They all look like they're on steroids, like, show me the before, if they're... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That They do do give some indications that they're, like, honor roll students, because, like, the one leader guy can speak, like, fluent German, you know? So that's yeah. kind of like a nerd honor roll thing to be able to do. Uh, the other guy, Pete, is his name. He's, like, very enterprising, and he always has, like, this marketing thing going on, and he has some, like you know, sort of educated lines. So you do get some indications of it, but it would be nice to see before and after or a transformation sequence. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this, you know, in this movie, it was lacking so much substance in terms of like character development and stuff like that. That really could have added to the movie a lot if they would have gotten rid of a lot of the what I consider to be filler and instead used it to show the before for these people and give them a little bit of a character arc. Speaking of filler, what happens is the Cratons, the like gang of antagonists that we see throughout the film, they try to get this guy to buy drugs. And they beat him up as well. And this fight scene goes on for way too oh, long. Oh, God. Much like the fight scenes in Toxic Avenger. Except here, the fight scenes are even worse. The fight scenes aren't even entertaining. And they're shot really poorly. A lot of continuity errors that normally wouldn't bother me that bother me here. Because there's nothing else to pay attention to. Stuff like that. And it's very cheesy and not really my taste. There's nothing in the fight scenes that really grabs you. And one of them, it ends with someone's, someone getting a fist rammed down their throat. And the special effects on that were good, and it was interesting. But it's not like the Toxic Avenger where everyone's death is very interesting because they're not dying. They're just getting beat up. And the, the fight choreography is terrible. It's just like they just made it up on the spot. They didn't they didn't go through and choreograph anything they were going to do. It was like, pretend to fight. All right, now you're done. And that's the whole fight. And it's just way too long. When we transition out of this scene, it's a really bizarre scene transition. We've talked about visual transitions between scenes before in something like Joe Dante's Piranha. However, here, the scene transitions are just ridiculous. Like, there's almost no transition. It's Warren and his friends saying, man, someone should do something about those Cratons talking in the hall. Then we cut to them just sitting in class. And I'm like, okay, great. It's a really bizarre transition. Another weird thing that happened in the film was the party scene, because party scenes are supposed to bring up the energy of the audience and be a point of sometimes an overwhelming point for the audience. However, there's been so much going on and so much partying already within the school that this party scene seems like just another day at the school. And also the audio is mixed so poorly that the people that are singing during the party, we can almost not hear them. And it doesn't sound deliberate. And, you know, by this point in the film, it's like, where's all the little jokes and funny stuff that made the Toxic Avenger, you know, palatable? Yeah, I'm not getting them. But, you know, we get to see, like, there's someone, they're indoors, and it's like a beach theme party they're having. It's not at the high school, but at some uh, fraternity at a college nearby or something like that. And they're all there partying. There's people running around, dancing, stuff like that, all dressed up in beach stuff. And then, like, we get one tiny joke where a girl's putting on suntan lotion, and then she just takes the rest of it and drinks it. Yeah, I wasn't sure what was up with that. I, I wasn't sure if she was, like, supposed to be drinking, like, alcohol out of the suntan lotion bottle uh, well she was smearing sure. it on her body before that so yeah yeah but despite the coordination of the extras this party scene was not very festive or effective and it no. kind of set the tone for the type of jokes we're going to see throughout because this movie i realized this at this point that this was like sexual harassment the movie because instead of like clever jokes like toxic avenger it's just like various instances of sexual harassment instead of jokes, and I'm like, okay, great. I'm not sure what's up with this. Like, what do you mean by sexual harassment? Well, like, mm. they just go up to random people. Like, the jokes are often that the male characters go up to random female characters at the party and, like, make out with them, and then they get, like, pushed off uh, of the female characters. And similarly with the Cratons, they just go up to people and, like, start making out with them, like, while the person's, like, pretending to punch them away and stuff like that. 
and I felt like those instances were supposed to be funny, and those instances replaced jokes within the film. Like, I would have much preferred the clever jokes from Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, at this point in the movie, you know, we're like, what, 15 minutes in or something like that. Finally, things are starting to come together. But the pacing up to this point seems really slow. And everything they do that's supposed to entertain you, like the interaction, the attempts at jokes, you know, the exposition they give and stuff like that, it's all falling flat up to this point. And I'm already pretty demoralized about the movie at this point. And we get to where, like, they're going to smoke this weed that they bought from the from the guy who bought it from the guy who grows it at the nuclear power plant and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, now it's really going to get going. And then they smoke the, – the two main characters end up smoking the weed, and it's just kind of meh. There's not really anything to it. There's a little weird, wonky, like, sound effect thing that happens, but aside from that, it's – that's pretty much it. And their eyes cross a little, but that's it, and it's kind of – anticlimactic well and that whole scene is just so awkward and like cringy to watch so much of the interaction between the characters is like that too it's 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 like it's so bad you'd think it was improvised but it's not improvised you can tell because it's so wooden the delivery of everything there's no real no sincere interaction between any of the characters in this whole movie well, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I do like some of the interactions between, like, the Cretans. Like, I think some of their playing off of each other is pretty funny. Like, the one horny chick, her name is Murphy, and, like, she just always calls everybody faggot all the time. The way she says it just has such a genuine, like, hate and conviction behind it that, I mean, it just makes me, cracks me up every time she says it. I'm going to have to disagree there, Jordan, because I felt like a lot of the Cretans, in order to act angry... They just swore a lot and didn't really act angry. They were like, let's shout swear words, and that will make us seem angry instead of actually acting angry. I didn't really get angry, like, that they were supposed to be angry all the time. I mean, there was an element of that, but I think they were more just like, well, they're Cretans. They're just violent and horny thugs, basically. So, yeah, they'll use violence to get their way, but they don't necessarily go directly to violence. Anyway, so... The main couple smokes the marijuana. <laughs> smokes the marijuana. Oh, God. Sound like I'm 50 years old. But <laughs> after they smoke the joint, they go upstairs and, like, start having sex. And then after that, we get a nightmare dream sequence very similar to Tromeo and Juliet. For I think, Jordan and Mike, you've seen Tromeo and Juliet, right? I've yeah. seen it, but i got to tell you, it did not really stick in my head very well. It, I thought it was kind of reminiscent of Nightmare on Elm Street, that sort of, um, I mean, A, because they were lying in bed and semi-dreaming it comes to later, but that sort of body transformation again where they like, like her stomach is becoming really distended to me. That was really Nightmare on Elm Street-esque. <laughs> what is the wheezing? <laughs> it's like a tugboat. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, there was, you didn't hear that? Oh, that was great. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was in my background. I like I yeah. live near a busyish road, so it's like it sounded like a boat. It just went on forever. It went ooh. Oh no! It would have been a motorcycle going up my goddamn street. Like a motorcyclist. <laughs> What Is was, it still going? Because listen to that. No, a little yeah. bit. Not, I, yeah, but I it was like overwhelming. 
Oh, nice. Do you you remember, do you remember what you were saying? Just, can you start over from the beginning? Because it drowned you out. It straight up drowned you out. We couldn't even hear you. It's like, it's constant. It's fucking straight. That's why I mute my mic when I'm not talking. But yeah, so basically, what was I saying? To, to me, those scenes were really reminiscent of the Nightmare on Elm Street kind of movies. I mean, A, because they were sort of in bed and it turned out later it was a dream sequence, but that sort of body transformation where her stomach's becoming all distended, to me, it reminded me a lot of like the early Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. The thing I really loved about that scene was like the guys getting this like giant erection, like literally like 20 feet tall. And at first he's like all horrified, but then he like kind of gets stoked about it for a minute and is like sort of smiling about it and laughing about it. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, his face lights up once he's fully erect. He's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty fucking, I don't know, just some good humor from trauma there. What did you guys think of the special effects overall in this movie? I thought they were pretty bad. Once again, they're all practical, which is nice to see. And the creature, the what little we do see of the creature is all right. But I think all right is where it stops for me because we only see little bits and pieces of everything. The gore effects are okay overall. I think the special effects are flat okay for me. Oh, I love them. I thought it was so good. I like all that. The, like, with the throbbing forehead and there's always, you know, the, the fist going into the throat and you can see it coming out of the throat or when she's throwing something up and it, you can see it traveling up her throat and all the face melting. I think it's just the best. Like, it looks a little bit cheap, obviously, but that's what they were going for. And to me, it's, it's really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing realistic here like you have with the, uh, head squish in the Toxic Avenger. You know, nothing that, that really grosses you out, but what they do is kind of comic booky or cartoony and they do a good job of it, but you can tell it, it is pretty cheap and it's, they're not trying to thrill anyone with it in this movie. Yeah. My issue is their special effects aren't really original because when the girl throws up into the toilet, the main girl, she throws up just the xenomorph from Alien, the, like, original, like, small thing that bursts out of John Hurt's chest. It's pretty similar, yeah. It was smaller than that, though. She, like, you can see this giant lump traveling up her throat, and then she coughs up a tadpole. Yeah, yeah. And when it was in her stomach, it was fairly large, too, because it starts out with her stomach gets really big, and then it kind of moves up her throat. It's not as big, and then she pukes it out. It's like the size of a uh, king-size Tootsie Roll or something. Yeah, and it comes out screaming. <laughs> trying to leave that in the toilet that was pretty funny what did you guys think about uh when i think it's in the dream sequence when like the tentacle kind of comes up out of her belly button like that totally raised the hair on the back of my neck the thought of belly button penetration like one way or the other in or out really makes me cringe like i can kind of feel it in my belly button so watching that thick dark tendril thing come out of her belly button and, and like swish around or whatever it it was pretty gross to me yeah i know what you mean it is just people getting stabbed in the chest does not elicit a similar reaction anyway what did you guys think about the music overall now there's sometimes when the, when the music is diegetic and like you were talking about they're playing at that uh at that party, there was a band or whatever. And then you've got some music where it's just the 
uh, the mood music for the scenes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that music, I felt, was terrible. And there wasn't much of it, and it was very repetitive. It was kind of like a really bad action video game. Like, it's what you'd hear in the background while you're trying to play Double Dragon at the arcade in the 80s. That's what it sounded like to me. And there were other times in the movie when they were using actual music music, like, quote-unquote, rock music. But it's like your kind of 80s TV rock music. And the way they did that, it always sounded – it's what it sounded to me like – was someone had a really small boombox inside of a styrofoam cup, constantly playing Survivor or Triumph on like a really low volume level. Yeah, I agree. I didn't really have that same issue, but I felt it never really seemed to like supplement the scene itself. It was always completely separate from what was happening on screen. And it really it was really distracting for me. And it did nothing to alleviate and, you know, this is this is the big reveal here. It did nothing to alleviate the overall boredom of this movie. <gasps> well, I actually think that's what it, was to what it was trying to do is present you with a lot of, quote unquote, wacky visuals that could, like, entertain you. But if the visuals don't entertain you, then you can always choose to pay attention to the music, which is always completely separate from the visuals. So I think that's what it was kind of going for. But it doesn't really work because I like watching movies, not like watching pretty images and then listening to soundtrack in the background, you know. I did like the Newcomb High theme, though, that they had going, like, what's going on? Yeah, that gets stuck (laughs) in your head, right? After my wife and I watch this once or twice, uh, that comes up every now and then. It'll get stuck in our head. One of us will be like, what's going on? And he'd be like, what? He'd be like, at Newcomb High. God (laughs) damn it, that fucking song's stuck in my head again. (laughs) <laughs> I think they play it in every Newcomb High movie, too. So you guys, you this movie didn't seem slow-paced, lacking in action, lacking in tension, lacking in humor to you? Because, I mean, those are like three things that killed it for me right away. I, I didn't get I didn't get any kind of excitement out of this movie. I didn't get any kind of humor out of this movie. It didn't shock or surprise me at any point. I mean, what what is there in this movie? No, I agree 100% with you, Mike, so I'm interested to hear as well. I found the humor, like um, uh, there was punching old women was a theme in both of them. That scene, do you remember the one where he, like, uh, pretends he's having an epileptic fit? Oh, and he's like, oh, we need something to... We need something to put in his mouth. And he's like, what about your, your purse? And the woman's like, oh, no, I don't know about that. He's like, come on, you'll save a life. And then she's like, fine, hands it over. The guy leaps up. She's like, oh, God. And then they bash the living shit out of her. And it's like, well, if you're going to beat her up, maybe the epileptic seizure gag. See, that's, that's what I got out of that scene as well, is that what's the point of going through to put an Alka-Seltzer in your mouth and faking a seizure to use someone's purse to put it in his mouth to keep him from biting off his tongue? If you're just going to beat her up anyways, why not just beat her up and take the purse and then you don't have to taste the Alka-Seltzer? And that's like, that's all I got out of that scene. It wasn't funny to me. It was just like, huh, that's dumb. I found I found that quite funny. And then another one that was, was good was um when one of the uh, what would you call it? Nuclear workers, um, was down in the school's basement and he's like, Oh, I can't breathe in this thing. Takes off his gas mask and he's smoking a cigarette inside his gas mask. Yeah. I like that. I did like that. I did like that one. Yeah. I found that funny. However, that whole scene was it when he 
takes off the gas mask and reveals his cigarette, that entire scene was terrible because instead of relying on performance to convey what he was thinking or feeling, he said it out loud at every single moment. And that's horrifically bad acting. So and I was just, that scene is long. That scene is several minutes of him sitting down in the fallout shelter underneath the uh, school you know there's supposed to be a monster down there or whatever. You get little hints of it here and there, and that's it. And it just goes on forever. And then what do you get? A cup, a shot of just, like, a monster's hand, and then he's got some slices on his forehead. And then, you know, it took forever to get to this point, and then it's just a couple slices on his forehead, and he's dead, and that's it. It was Too so much buildup, not enough payoff, and the buildup isn't executed effectively enough for the payoff to be worth it. Well, and I felt like that scene was almost trying to parody, like, that horror movies do that kind of thing. But it just comes off so slow and boring that it just completely takes you out of the film. And it's not it's not well done at all. It should have been cut completely. Uh, I, I wasn't bored. And you guys know that I get aggressively <laughs> bored when things take too long. Because there was the bit, remember he drops his uh, gas mask in the steaming, bubbling nuclear waste. And then like, oh, geez, guess I have to go in. Like, to me, it was still like the jokes were still there, the physical jokes. Yeah, I can see the physical jokes there. But that's just not the type of humor that I find funny. Like, much like just the punching of the old lady and the general physical abuse that they enact on various characters. That's just not that amusing to me. It's like slapstick, you know? Yeah. I don't, the, the beating up of old women, I didn't find funny. It was the, the idea that they thought that the, the fit sort of gaff was a good idea oh, okay. considering they were just going to beat her up anyway. Like it was just, it was so obscene that it was funny. Yeah. I see what you mean. You found the misdirection okay. surprising yes. because that was, uh, it's a classic joke setup, you know, let's, uh, what's the word? Uh, you're like, okay, you're expected to say X, but instead you say Y. And then that creates a joke by being unexpected here. You expect him to just take the purse when they, she puts it in his mouth. But instead, they beat her up. That's the same X or replace X with the Y sort of joke setup. So, okay, I can see it now. Yeah. Thanks for reiterating the entire thing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, there was, in terms of like it moving a little bit slowly, there's that other scene sh- sort of shortly after where they've got Chrissy down in the basement um, and they want to alert Warren that they've got her. So they grab her necklace, cut her hand, cover it in blood. But then that tarot girl takes the necklace, she starts sucking on it, rubbing it all over herself, and the dude that's holding Christy has to be like, move it, go. Like, what is she doing? I thought, I mean. That's what I was thinking through the whole movie. (laughs) Move it. (laughs) Move it, go. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, but by the time. By the time the scene with the uh, nuclear worker and the fallout shelter getting killed by the monster, who's not a big factor in the movie, by the time that rolled around, that's when I started looking at the clock, wanting the movie to end. I looked at the clock around the 20-minute mark and said, oh, no, only 20 minutes have passed. (laughs) But also, throughout this ending scene, it occasionally felt like the audio was recorded through, like, a phone, and that it's those compression artifacts (laughs) <laughs> that makes the audio really bad. Yeah, we know how, how important those are. <laughs> they make a podcast so good. <laughs> so what else is there we can say about this movie? I don't know. There's almost nothing to say. The cinematography is cheesy, cheap, and poorly executed. The blocking is uninteresting. And What is it about? 
I mean, what is this movie? Are, is it about these Cretans? Are they, is it about them and this, this perfect goody two shoes couple? Or is it about the goody two shoes couple's nuclear waste fucking, uh, alien baby thing living in the sewer? Or what's going on? I think Be- it's more about the Cretans. I thought it was more about Chrissy and Warren. No, the think- Cretans and their conflict with Chrissy. Yeah. And the nuclear waste monster was just because they couldn't figure out another way to end it, you know? Oh, I was so sure it would end like Alien Resurrection or something. And the, cause it's like that little sort of tentacle bit comes out and grabs her. And I was like, uh, hentai pulls her in. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like mummy or something. Cause doesn't, uh, Warren say, uh, we know what that thing is. And, um, if you kill us, you're not going to make it out of here or something like that. I was like, oh, he knows it's his creepo monster son. Oh, but I didn't get that line. That line didn't make sense at all to me. Like, how do they know what it is? What the heck? Yeah. I mean, how does he know? But that's what I got from that line. That he's like, this is our illegitimate teen love baby. And, um, yeah, it was never eventuated. They just killed it. I thought, I thought there was opportunity there. You know, another thing about this movie that, that really bummed me out was, whereas we talked about the Toxic Avenger, they complete, they just repeatedly, revisit scenes over and over again in montages. And instead of doing that in this movie, instead they get into like, not not really a montage, but they just get into a series of scenes like when the Cretans are driving around on motorcycles in the high school, pushing books off of shelves and stuff like that. It goes on forever and you just see them doing the same activities over and over again for no reason. It makes no sense whatsoever. Well, this movie is barely 80 minutes, so it's filler. Yeah, there is a good amount of padding in this film. It's also hard to find stuff to discuss with this film because so much of it is just inane. Yeah, that's a good word for it. I got some good new expressions from the movie. There was that scene where he really needed to piss, so he said, my back teeth are floating. Going to be using that in everyday conversations now. (laughs) (laughs) And when Mayor Chubbs is like, I don't give a dry fart. I thought that was great. Yeah, and in in the first scene, he says, I don't give a wet fart. Uh, when they show him, when he's talking about, you know, when they're talking about it leaking, he's like, I don't give a wet fart. And then like half an hour later, like, oh, we're going to revisit that killer joke. <laughs> I didn't yeah. remember that. There are quite a few good lines because I wrote down some ones that I liked. Uh, at one point, Pete says, uh, I've got some dynamic, fantastic weed for you if you're interested. And it's just really funny how he says it. Uh, at another point, there's a character called Gonzo and he's like, he's this completely outrageous character like he's done up in almost blackface and uh he's like supposed to go on a date with his girlfriend but it gets interrupted because he has to go work and she's all disappointed and he goes that's what you get when you're in love with a yuppie you know so some of these just i don't know maybe it's only me like Boy, they, they fell really flat as hell for me you might have had some assistance in finding amusement in this movie i don't know uh, i like those i also <laughs> liked there was one line where that eddie says he goes have you ever seen so much poontang under your under one roof in your whole life i thought that was pretty funny he is so high <laughs> <laughs> that was the only reason he I don't, music. nothing so in this movie made me laugh man i don't know I don't know how you, I don't know how you could find the movie humorous, but you did. So you know that's on you, I what guess. About, or what about when they're in the office uh, beating up the principal, and the secretary comes in, and the guy like does this pirouette and then shoots her with the gun? Like I don't know. There's like these little moments of ironic humor that uh, just crack me up. All right, I guess that's about all we need to say about this movie. Let's uh, sum it up real quick, Dave. 
Okay, so it's an 80-minute movie, yet it still seems to drag. The cinematography is cheesy and unbearably uncreative, and with the blocking of the characters, and the characters themselves are not interesting enough to capture my attention, unlike the characters in Toxic Avenger, where they were interesting enough and their blocking was interesting enough for me to not mind the bad cinematography. Uh, let's see. What, oh, the audio's mixed horrendously. As we already discussed, it sounds like it's coming through a styrofoam cup at some points. It's ridiculous, and it takes me out of the film. The soundtrack, even when it is working and even when it is sounding quote, at, like, at the correct levels, the soundtrack detracts from the film because it is complete, it feels completely separate from every single scene. The editing is terrible and sloppy, cuts off every scene a little too early. But despite this, some of the Special effects are amusing, and some of the callbacks to previous trauma films are amusing enough for me to give it a point. So two out of ten total for me, and I do not recommend this. I would recommend looking at any, uh, not any other trauma film, but say Toxic Avenger or Poltergeist or something along those lines. All right, Jordan? Uh, this is a coming of age comedy and I really enjoy coming of, uh, coming of age comedies. So I enjoyed this. Uh, usually trauma is a lot more transgressive than this. Uh, this movie is really tame by trauma standards. Um, that doesn't, that isn't to say that it's not transgressive for a coming of age comedy, but as far as trauma goes, it's not pushing the envelope for violence or graphic content really at all. Um, but that's okay because I think a lot of the writing is more clever and more ironically humorous than most trauma films. So I still enjoyed it and I would give it probably, I'm going to say 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> oh shit, that's long. <laughs> <laughs> Not as long as the movie. All right, Alicia. <laughs> Let's hear your um, rap defense. Yeah. Well, as you guys can tell, I really liked it. I, I like this kind of film as well that, that doesn't take itself seriously, that makes fun of itself. Like you could, it wasn't an accident that, that it was so bad. It was done carefully, I think. And I really appreciated that. I thought the, uh, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of physical effects, and I thought that they were really good, all the sort of body transformation stuff and the melting of faces. It could have been a bit gorier, but I I really liked what they did, and I appreciated sort of the effort they went to for that. I did think there was missed opportunities with that weird little nuclear tadpole monster child. Um, uh yeah, I'm not sure if it's been mentioned at any point, but the the monster suit, you never get to see an entire shot of it because they never actually finished the suit. If anything, there was an opportunity there to have, like, human pants underneath an accidental <laughs> <laughs> shot of people legs. But I thought I thought that was pretty good. Had you guys heard that? Yeah, you know, and it, it, I wonder if the movie could have been better if they would have finished the outfit and spent more time focusing on the on the monster. Rather than focusing focusing on these non characters like the Cretans and Chrissy and Warren because they're just non characters in my opinion, I would have rather seen them spend more time focus on the monster hurting people, killing people, whatever. Yeah, 
Another thing that I just thought of is um, with that monster, when at the end when the school collapses, it comes back out and it's like devolved back to the tadpole. Like it grew up into a big porcupine monster and then when everything collapsed, it went back to a tadpole kind of thing. Did you guys notice that? Came out of yeah, the bubble? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand if that was supposed to be the same monster or a new monster or what was going on there. Oh, yeah, that's a point. Could have been a new one, I guess. Other kids boning at the school. But yeah, I, I liked it. I definitely get what you're saying about the story not being particularly strong. Um, but I, you know, you don't watch trauma films to learn anything. I thought it was thoroughly entertaining <laughs> and I would give it a seven and a half out of ten. Wow. You don't watch trauma films to learn anything. That yeah, I think, I think motto. criticizing it to say, oh, you know, the story wasn't particularly strong and the characters weren't, weren't fleshed out enough. Like, it's, it's a trauma film. Limit your expectations. But anyways, I picked this movie out because when I think of Newcomb High, I don't just think of this one movie. I've got all this stuff in my head from the first three movies and – this movie is definitely not the highlight out of the three. Uh, you know, it looks like it's intended to be a spoof of the 80s coming-of-age high school movies, and that's about as much depth as you can give this at any point, in my opinion. It doesn't – there's no character development. The story is almost non-existent. It's like there's two stories that never get developed, and then it just kind of ends. It's hard, it's hard to even sit here and say bad things about it because there's so little to even criticize. There's so little to the movie. The pacing starts out slow and it never really picks up. It just drags and drags and drags. The effects are trauma level, which means sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're obviously cheap. But the creature effects, when they do show the creature, like the head and the face and stuff like that, actually that's really good creature design. It was really good special effects. I liked the Physical effects, the sounds they gave it were terrible, like every other sound in this movie were terrible. Uh, there's not a lot of gore in this movie. There's a head punch from the monster that actually looks pretty good. But other than that, there's not a lot of gore. The movie's just a jumbled mess. The foley work and the grunts during the fights are so distractingly bad. They don't even fit with what the people are doing at the time. They're just inserted at random intervals. It's It's a frustrating watch. It constantly sounds... Bad. The music that's supposed to be heard diegetically sounds bad. The music that's mixed in for effect, like for to try to build tension or whatever the fuck they're doing with it, it's all done terribly. Under an hour into this movie, I just wanted to shut it off. And I only finished it for the podcast. Filler galore. Uh, it's almost all filler. At one point, it's like, they're like, we're going to use filler, but we want something that's going to be really cool so people won't notice it's filler. What are we going to do? Oh, how about these scenes of a car being crushed in a car crusher for a little while? You guys liking that? You liking that? And it goes on forever. It's terrible. Uh, I did not recall this movie being this bad. I regret having to have watch it again. I regretted recommending anyone watch it to begin with. I give this a three and a half out of ten. <laughs> but I tell you, I tell you what though, I would still recommend that you watch this just so that you have a starting point to get to new to Newcomb high two and Newcomb high three. Cause those are far superior movies and they did a lot better job writing and being comedic with those and with the characters and everything. So watch this movie with a fucking clothespin on your nose. Cause it fucking stinks and then move on to better things. And that's that. Hmm. <laughs> you like everything, Alicia, you, you are the new Jordan. She did not like <laughs> that other movie. I didn't like the, the children. children. Yeah, yeah like that was two painful. Movies back. No, I, I was just going to agree with you. I do like most horror films. Like, yeah. Wow. But so, 
you know, hopefully we've enriched your life a little bit because now you know you love Troma's original work. Yeah. Because if you like this, you'll like anything they've made. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm not expecting masterpieces, Dave. So. I don't expect masterpieces, but I'm not going to give a movie a high rating if it's not a good movie that I find at least entertaining. All right. Well, moving right along here so we can get things wrapped up. Austin, once again, hit us up on Facebook regarding that. This time he's talking about that hit and run scene from the Toxic Avenger that we all marveled over. And he said that scene is amazing because in an otherwise goofy movie, it actually disturbs me. And he said he also saw an IMDb that is actually just a watermelon filled with like fake blood. That's like all there was to the scene. So thanks for sharing that with us, Austin. And, you know, like we said, you know, it's it's really it's an impressively disturbing scene. And the fact that it can be in a goofy movie and not be weakened by that and still disturb you is pretty cool. And it's a testament to how well that scene is done. Reddit user Sturgeon Genital. I don't know where people get these names. He was, we, I put the episodes up on uh, on SoundCloud, and then I link them on the horror subreddit. And he left a comment on there, which simply read, DO CRITTERS NEXT! In all caps. Uh, I don't know if we'll do it next, but maybe we'll do Critters eventually. Have you, any of you guys seen Critters before? I'm assuming you, most of you have. I have. Yeah, I love Critters. I don't Bring know if I have. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Is it like Gremlins? It's a bunch of little furry monsters from space with big mouths and lots of teeth. Oh, maybe I have. I clearly don't remember it. Well, maybe that'll be on the docket somewhere down the road. I don't think we're going to do it anytime soon, though, but we'll do it eventually. Uh, finally, over the last two or three weeks, you know, we've been asking for it, and we've actually gotten a nice batch of ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thanks for that. As always, if you haven't already, please take the time to give us a rating on iTunes or whatever platform it is that you're listening to us on. And feel free to contact us via social media or email with any praise, hatred, or difference of opinion you may have. We want listener contributions to be part of the show. We look forward to that. So in regards to next week, what are our plans for next week? Well, we're not doing a show next week. Uh, the next scheduled show is going to be about two weeks from now, maybe a little longer, depending It'll still be around the same time, I guess, but it'll be a week or two down the road later than usual. Uh, anyone got anything they want to add? Alicia? Um, I'm going to be taking a bit more of a back seat moving forward. Um, I have to, bit of an awkward thing to say, plan a goddamn wedding, which I have not started. <laughs> <Thank> so. <you. laughs> So I'm not going to be around as much, but I will still check in from time to time. Yeah, and we'll see if we can get uh, Matt or if anyone remembers TJ. We did one episode with TJ. Uh, they've both been available to us before if we needed someone to fill in. So we'll try to keep it at four people and get one of them in here most weeks or any weekend that you're free to get back in. We're more than happy to have you. Thanks, guys. All right, I guess that's it. Thanks for listening to Episode 54 of the Horror Explorer Podcast. See you later. See you. Bye, everybody. See you next... Uh, well, not next week, but see you soon. <laughs> okay, so okay, I'll so see, you see you later. later huh? The fuck? <laughs>